Listening to the SDSU Football Podcast, presented by the East Village Times, with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome back to another episode of the SDSU Football Podcast. I am your host, Andre Hagverdian. We'll be joined as always by Paul Garrison, my co-host, shortly. Today's episode is an interview with senior linebacker Vi Cajo. He has been at San Diego State for three seasons. He has played uh, on special teams primarily and some snaps on defense as a linebacker. Started one game in 2021. He is uh, looking forward to you know, picking up the slack from some of the departing linebackers from last year's team. Three linebackers who graduated and moved on to bigger and better things. Michael Shawcroft, Caden McDonald, Cedric Lakalaka. So Vi Tahoe is looking to step into a bigger role, either uh, on the field and or leadership-wise as a senior. Uh, it was great to catch up with him and get to know him a little bit, his background about his family, his life growing up in Reno, his high school days, and then obviously uh, his San Diego State days. Check it out. I think you guys will enjoy it. And Paul and I will be back afterwards to uh, break it down. We want to welcome Bai Kaho to the SDSU Football Podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, thank awesome. you for taking the time. Your full first name, I believe, is Kaho Movai Lahi. Did I say that right? Hey, you, you said that really well. Ooh, what? I, I, yeah. Not a lot of people get that on the first try. I, nice. I, had I have a long, I have a long last name, so uh, I make sure to try to get names uh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate the effort, man. You had it actually spot on. Yep. So, can you give us the background of that name? Is there a specific meaning? Yeah. So my uh, name is. It comes from the root um, from Tonga. I'm actually Polynesian, so mm-hmm. I, I was. Uh, my family is was born and raised in Tonga. And that's kind of where my name came from. The name, my short name, Vi, which is what I go by, actually means water in Tongan. I'm actually named after a waterfall in Tonga. And it's one of the biggest lakes. I think my grandpa was telling me, you know, it just it has a lot of history on my my name. So nice. I had a coworker whose name was Vi because his dad was Samoan. Yeah. Was from that side. But I don't know if he had, if that was just, it was Vi or if it was short for something. But I'm definitely going to ask him about that now. Yeah, yeah. We we definitely have a lot of uh, similarities in both the cultures. Samoan and Tongan, they're, they're super similar. Not a lot of differences. So that, my name Vi is actually water in Samoan too. Were yeah. you born, I think you're from Reno. Were you born in Reno or like where, where did... Where did your uh, family come from in terms of like, were your parents born there and they moved here before? Yes. Yeah, so I was born and uh, raised in Reno, Nevada. That's where my hometown is. My parents are born and raised in Reno as well. But my grandparents were first generation immigrants towards coming to, to America. So that's, that's kind of how it panned out. And uh, we just so happened to land in Reno. Thankful everything worked out from there. But yeah, it's, it's a small little town. Super small. 
Nice. So, you know, you're, you're a linebacker at San Diego State. You're going into your senior season. Seems like there's a lot of turnover in linebackers every year. You've lost some NFL quality linebackers, but the, but the linebackers continue to replace each themselves without much drop off. You know, why do you think that is? Why has that group been so successful? One, I think it starts with the standard that we have here at San Diego State. You know, our defensive philosophy, uh, it, it goes around the whole room and not just it starts in the linebacker room, but it's a culture. It's a culture shock. And, you know, people adapt to the culture. And I think that's what all the linebackers have done a well job of, you know, guys like Michael Shawcroft, Saguna Louie, um, Andrew and, and Cedric and guys like that. They, they just paved the way. I was blessed and fortunate enough to, to be behind those guys and watch those guys and see how they work. And, you know, it, it's kind of just the culture. You know, you see you see how they go about their day and how they and how they have pride about being here, being being an Aztec. So you kind of just follow right in. And I took that upon I took that upon my my room this year. And I think I think you, you guys will be excited to see what what the linebacker room has to bring this year. So tell us more about that culture, man. I mean, from the outside, you know, it, it's toughness, it's physicality, it, it's uh, being able to outwork teams. But I mean, from the inside, man, how do you, what did you embrace specifically about the culture that you just described? You know, like you said, we're, we're, we pride ourselves on being the most tough and most physical. And, and obviously a lot of outside people see that. But from the inside, what I see is a lot of guys who are truly, truly hungry. And they seen that they were overlooked, you know, coming out of high school. And and that's kind of the culture here. We're, we're as as you guys know, we're slept on, you know, just keeping keeping everything in, within the culture and. You know, doing doing the things right, the right way is kind of how I see it from the inside. And, and that's that's how it is. It's truly a bunch of guys who are interested in winning. Could you tell us a little bit about your position coach? Coach Maddox, we've we um you know we've had him at, on the podcast multiple times. Always enjoy getting to speak to him. But as a linebacker coach, as a position coach, uh, what is he like? You know, Coach Maddox, he's a he's a great guy. You know, he has a lot of he brings a lot of energy and a lot of passion. That I don't think um a lot of the media and a lot of the people get to see, uh, because we're on we're with him on a daily basis. So, you know, he never turns off the energy. He he ha- he keeps that same energy that that we need at times, you know, when the, the, during those ebbs and flows of, of the season, when, when we need a, we need to anchor. I think coach Maddox has been super efficient in, in bringing the same energy and again, bringing that culture and radiating that culture and, and letting it be known that that the standard is the standard for sure. So being coached by coach Maddox has definitely helped me a lot. He's taught me a lot about the game, you know, X's and O's and he's really slowed the game down for me. I still have a lot to improve, and and I'm I'm thankful to be with Coach Maddox while I'm doing that. Obviously, Coach is um, not just the position coach, but he's the defensive coordinator. No other group um, on the defense can say that. So, I mean, what what does that maybe change for the linebackers, or um, what is something that that is a that has him as the defensive coordinator that maybe adds to the linebacker position? Yeah, Coach Coach Maddox being the defensive coordinator is super beneficial for the linebackers, you know, seeing where his mind is and where his brain is thinking towards whether it be whatever specific type of call on a 
certain down and distance, you know, seeing how 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 he goes about it and and picking his brain is is a big advantage that the linebackers have. You know, not only do we have Coach Mattis, we have Coach Hoke and Coach Sumler and and all those guys who are really one strong unit. We just brought in Coach Bojay. You know, he's he's only added fire to the D-line room, a big, big, uh, big addition. So I think not only Coach Maddox helps, but I think all of the the defensive coaches as a as a unit, and especially with Coach Coach Big Hoke, Brady Hoke, you know, his his knowledge of the the game, you know, it, it, it all blends well. And I think Coach Maddox has done a great job leading the defense. Oh, just over the last couple of years, you know, you've played different linebacker positions. Uh, at Mike, at Will, against Air Force. I think, you know, you've played that fourth linebacker. I forget. I think Coach Hope called it a boundary backer because of their offense and how they, you know, they're running offense. What, what is there a specific position you enjoy most? Not really, man. To be uh, to be completely honest, man, I'm just trying to get out there and, and do whatever it takes to win. The, the standard, obviously, is winning 22. So whatever it takes for the coaches to do, for me to do, I'm, I'm willing to do. But, you know, if I had a preference, I like I like obviously playing off the ball. I like getting in coverage, but I also like making those plays. So, again, it, it just has to do with whatever the coaches need us to do, especially with a year like this, you know, losing guys like Michael and losing guys like Cedric, you know, I might need to be stepping up more where I where I haven't been the most comfortable. But with that comes improving and, and I'm I'm excited to take on that challenge. Yeah, we had Michael Shawcroft on after his uh, retirement per se, per se, and we and we asked him, you know, who's going to help fill the role that he and Caden and Cedric are leaving. He named you obviously as one of those guys. So, what do you think you need to do to step into that role? You know, I think I think as I keep playing, the role will, will kind of fill itself. You know, I don't I don't want to walk around here talking talking about everything that I'm going to do you know I just I think as I keep my head down and keep working it'll establish itself that I'm here to to make a name for myself but not only make a name for myself but to win and be be the best teammate that I could be uh being the best coachable player that I could be and and just being a sponge so I think that what I bring to the team will will be known you know I bring a lot of energy and I bring a lot of passion to the game but not only that, knowing knowing that I could be a leader out there, that that guys count on me. So, like like you said, seeing guys like Katie McDonald and Michael Shawcroft, those guys have the blueprint, and um, you know I'm just trying to capitalize on that. Uh, you were listed uh, coming out of spring second on the depth chart at uh, Mike linebacker behind Zyrus PSAU. What what makes Zyrus excel on the field? Zyrus is a Zyrus is a ball player. He has natural instincts for sure. Uh, you know, being around him a lot, he just has a knack for the ball. Not only does he, but, you know, we got other guys coming up too. Guys like Brady Anderson, DJ Herman, New Zealand Williams, uh, especially bringing him down from the safety room. It, it brings a lot of depth in our room. And the one thing about our room is it's super competitive and, and they preach our coaches are honest preaching how it's a it's a healthy, healthy competition. But you know, we, we're all fighting and, and rooting for the same for the same goal. You know, that's to win. But at the same time, everybody everybody wants a piece of that. You know, there's only so much people that could play. So everybody's just trying to take it day by day. And Zyrus 
Zyrus has, has been super consistent. I applaud his consistency and, and how he goes about how he's playing right now. I really like the way he's playing. Um, and, and today, man, your, your biggest contribution, most consistent contribution has been on special teams. Um, could you describe your role on that side of the ball and, you know, how valuable that is and being able to contribute to winning in that third phase? Yeah, third phase. I think we we highlight we emphasize the third phase uh, special teams more than any any team in the country. You know, we have a great special teams coordinator and Coach Deke. The guy's passionate about being an Aztec first, not only being a football guy and and he's he he's an Aztec for life. So again, that culture is just radiating throughout the special teams, and and we don't sleep on it. It's 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 another phase of the game that we emphasize, and again. As I brought, as I mentioned, like I'm trying to do anything for the team that that includes being a special teams guy, and um, we we just take pride in in executing on that on that third phase and taking advantage of what we can in those four quarters. So, I think Coach Deke has done a great job of that, and our team has. You know, in football is a very physical, violent game. But in that regard, your physicality stands out, not just in the game, but like the practices that Paul and I have been able to go to, You that definitely stands out, you know, your physicality. Where did that come from? Is that something you've had since you were a kid? Is that something you had to learn? Uh, I definitely don't think it's something that you learn. I think it's something that I was, uh, you know, obviously being Polynesian is, is part of our culture, you know, being being physical. And I think football is just a, a great outlet to showcase what most Polynesians have in them, which is being physical, but also being playmakers and game changers. So I think being physical just comes from where I was, where, where I've grown up, where I was raised. You know, growing up in Reno, it was all we had was football and, and sports. So, you know, as I got older, I realized that I, I had, I just had a, a dog mentality in me. So I think it's just, it's, it's definitely grown and um, and feeding off of the energy of the guys, for sure. You know, seeing I might not be having the best day, but, you know, seeing other guys making plays, I, I know I have to make a play. And and feeding off the energy of of my teammates around me, they do a great job of keeping me up. And um, and I'm, I'm just excited to, to go this year. I, I'm ready to be physical and, and do what it takes, bro. Is there a football player that you've studied or modeled your game around either growing up or currently that like you, you watch and you, you try to emulate? I wouldn't necessarily say I try to emulate uh, anybody. I don't think I have anybody who I'm really trying to be like. I, I think I want to be myself the most as I can. But I watch a lot of film on guys like Luke Keekley and uh, Fred Warner. I like yeah. the way that Fred Warner is really changed the linebacker position. I, I think those two guys and also Roquan Smith is a guy that I've been compared to a lot, kind of the same build and, and how he goes about his plays. And yeah, I really, I really like, I really like those guys. I watch a lot of film on those guys. So tell, tell us a little about more about that. I mean, you said he changed the game in what way has, has it stood out to you about how the linebacking position has been changed? For me, uh, how I see what I take from uh, Fred's game is just how his ability to cover. Obviously, first and foremost, you know, covering down the field and then open space. Um, I think he's done a great job of studying film. And I, I, I take that. 
I admire that about these guys who who are really respecting the game and really uh, taking the time to to really know the X's and O's. So I think I think that's something that I've taken from them. You know, you arrived on campus in 2020, um, and you know, starting college is hard enough, man. You got to start college, and there was this global pandemic quarantine, all the requirements of that. I mean, just take us back to that time. And I mean, how challenging of a year, um, you know, was that really? It was definitely something I've never, we've never experienced before, obviously. So I had to adjust to that, you know, dealing with the social distancing and and the different practice times and things like that. I, I would say I definitely get, I didn't get the whole college experience right away. Things were locked down. Uh, San Diego is really a ghost town for a little. Just having to deal with that and adjusting to having no fans again at the at the games, things like that. I feel like it it also prepared us in the long stretch. It was a it was a difficult time, but dealing with that adversity only made us better. You see how we came out in twenty twenty one as things starting to open up. We had a really great season. So I think not only did it. It really, uh, it really pushed us, but um, I think it was a hectic time that that ended up benefiting everybody. In the most recent time, man, um, you know, JD Wicker, uh, athletic director at San Diego State, he's he's mentioned publicly about switching conferences in 2024. Um, you would have eligibility left for that season, um, and if you chose to use it. But just, what are your thoughts in general about the Aztecs potentially um, switching conferences? It's been a long time coming. You know, I've, uh, I I think if you look at our history, we've always been able to compete with the Pac-12, always been able to compete with these Power 5 conferences. It's just we never really got the attention that we needed. So I think JD making strides like that and, and putting it public, it, it, it's about time that San Diego State gets the, the recognition that it needs and uh, it deserves. Is that something the players talk about? even maybe before this year where it was getting, you know, really close, maybe two years ago. Is that something the players talked about, about we want to get into a bigger conference or we deserve to be in a bigger conference? I mean, I think it's definitely, there's definitely been murmurs and talks and things like that that have that have gone around um, the locker room, but I, I don't think anybody has, has focused too much on it. You know, uh, we, we kind of want to let that, all handle itself out. And, you know, we all, all we got to focus on is, you know, going out there and proving why we are meant to be out there and why we're meant to be in a power five conference. I don't think we've really, you know, took the time to really conversate about what we feel we should be or where we feel we should be. It's more just, we know our value and what we bring. And it, it's, it's only a matter of time that people, people wake up to that. Yeah, you, you you know you talked about you're from Reno. You played at Bishop Montague High School. Is that did I say that right? Uh, it's Bishop Minogue. 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 Yeah, you did better on on Vi's name, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, you did way better on my name for sure. <laughs> All right, <laughs> one for two. Um, Joey Wright, your San Diego State teammate, I believe, was your high school teammate as well. You did a lot. Not only did you play linebacker, but you played all over the offense. And is it true you also were a punter? Punter? Yeah, I used to punt it a little bit. <laughs> How was that experience? Funny. What was that? How was that experience? It was good. 
Uh, it was good. I, I don't. I don't think my team was some. Uh, they looked at me to be like you know the the punter number one. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't anything special. But uh, mm. like again, it just goes back to just doing anything for the team. They needed a a, a punter a few games. I think we we had our our kicker. He was out with a you know hamstring injury. They didn't really have anybody, so you know I had to step up in there. I got a few punts in, and you know I I I, I hung those. I hung the the punting cleats up. If you want to say necessarily see my foot again, so Jack Browning doesn't have anything to worry about. Yeah, Jack Browning. Yeah, he don't got nothing to worry about, man. He's gonna have a great season this year. <laughs> uh, you also played basketball and lacrosse, other than football. So out of, out of obviously football became what you did in college, but uh, between you know basketball and lacrosse, you know what was your favorite? I, I'd say growing up, my first sport was basketball. So I always love playing basketball. Um, to this day, I still like I still love playing basketball. So that was for sure my first love. But as you can see, I, I loved football. I love the the physical aspect of it. The opportunities it's brought for sure. I'm blessed to be in this position for sure to make it out of Reno, get an education, earn my degree. I'll be graduating next year. So things have fallen into place with this football, and I'm I'm super super thankful for it. I respect the game. Obviously, you signed at San Diego State, but how did that recruitment process go, and and why was San Diego State the place you chose? Yeah, so my recruitment process was a little hectic. I wasn't the most highly recruited, but I, I still had a few coaches that were that really made the decision hard. I built a lot of good relationships, um, but what took over San Diego State is just their consistency and winning. You know, I t- I took a step back and looked at. The opportunities that I had, San Diego State was just the most consistent school that that stood for some of the values that I have, you know, which is, you know, winning championships. That's 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 a big thing that they pride themselves on, and we're in contention every year. So I, I really took pride in that, and and I appreciated how they how they seen me fit in this scheme, and and I've I'm appreciative of how they treated me so far. This this season should be a big one. Tell me a little bit about the uh, NIL club for San Diego State that I believe you're a part of. It was started in May. What what could you tell me about that? Yeah, I think the NIL club is definitely a a great step in the um, in the right direction. I think it's helped athletes like me and my teammates gain opportunities to make special things off of out of our talent so i think the nil club is uh definitely good you know good opportunity to to make money yeah no doubt um i think it says at this point there are uh eight football players who are involved um wyatt drager joseph hall Zyrus, um, Sammy's involved, Darian Dalton, Ryan Henderson. I don't know how how you guys let an offensive player uh, in that group, uh, Dean Abdullah, jump in, but you know we'll let it slide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the website promises, you know, exclusive content for club supporters. Man, are you able to? I don't know, go into any of the details of some of the stuff that you got planned. For me personally, I don't have too many, too much things planned uh, in the NIL world. To be completely honest, that hasn't really been my my biggest focus in sure. in what I got going on. So I think 
as I continue to, you know, keep doing my thing out there on the field, I think NIL and, and things like that will take care of itself. But I think for other athletes, I know there's other athletes who have really promoted themselves and, and done it the right way. I think Katie McDonald's was someone who we, we've all seen around here. He, he's, he's, uh, utilized his toothless cowboy to, to the maximum. I think he's done it the right way. I think yeah. he used his name and image and, and his, his, his fans to really gravitate towards what he got going on. And I think I, I admire something like that. Just to, usually, to finish off the interview, we have some rapid-fire, non-football-related questions. You ready for those? Yeah. What's your favorite food? Favorite food? I'd say burger, a good burger. Do you have a favorite burger spot in San Diego? Not not any local spots, but I, I really like In-N-Out. In-N-Out is really good. Nice. So, so, did that win, so then does that, that, that beat Whataburger? Waterburger, yeah. There, hey, there's a big debate about that. I got a lot of Southern <laughs> teammates. I got a lot of teammates from the South, man. They they really they ride for Waterburger. Uh, I'm gonna go with the In and Out though. You can't beat a good steak though, too. Yeah. You can't. How beat do you like your steak? Come on, re- medium rare, man. Any any, any other way, man? I don't, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've heard other people do it. I'm like, man, what is that about? What about favorite movie or TV show? Favorite TV show? I say Everybody Hates Chris. That's a good one I grew up watching. Favorite movie? I think I go Troy. Y'all ever watch the movie Troy? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like you, like the, you, like, you like the short movies? Short movies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Epics, man. <laughs> Brad Pitt got a, had a, a good role in that one. What about favorite musical artist or group? Uh, favorite music right now. I'm listening to. I, w- I wouldn't say I have a favorite favorite music artist right now. I, I'm listening to a lot of different things. Uh, I go with Lil Baby. Lil okay. Baby's up there. What about um? We t- you mentioned some of the favorite linebackers on the football world, but outside of football, what's your fa- who's your favorite professional athlete? Outside of football, I say my favorite professional athlete I think is uh I have to go Muhammad Ali. Can't go wrong with with Muhammad Ali, that's for sure. But I'm about- but I'm cu- but I'm curious, man. I mean, you're a young man. How how did how do you know anything about Muhammad Ali? Yeah, I was gonna say Muhammad Ali or Floyd Mayweather for sure. Yeah. You know, just growing up, I I was always interested in the boxing world, so it, it it took me back to to research and things like that, and watching a lot about a lot of I watched a lot of interviews about Muhammad Ali and kind of how he carried himself. He he had that cool swagger, real real cool swagger about him. And have you seen no, it makes movie? complete sense. What you say? I was gonna say, have you seen the movie that where Will Smith played Ali? I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, that's that definitely recommend that one. It'll yeah. de- it'll definitely make Chris Rock's um comedy funnier as well. <laughs> hey, so how how does it work with uh I mean, you're talking about the musical artist. How does it work with who decides what's being played in the locker room? Man, that's a good question. I think anybody, you know, that it's obviously Bluetooth, so 
I think I think whoever gets to the ox first and and the guys kind of you 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 can kind of decide you you'll hear you'll hear somebody turn on something and you I think the guys will give them a give them a kind of heads up if they're if they're messing with it or not you know there's there's been a few times somebody's somebody's been kicked off the ox for sure <laughs> it's, just, it's just just a group thing you know yeah People bobbing their heads if they're not bobbing their heads then it's a it's a no go. Favorite hobby? Playing video games. Video games. I like yeah. Lasso, FIFA, Madden, 2K. The uh, college football uh, video game is coming back next year. I've seen that. It's been gone, I think, probably for like 15, 20 years, but it's exciting uh, to come back. I know a lot of, I played it when I was a kid and definitely. Yeah, no doubt. There you go. Yeah, it, it, it should be exciting to see that. Last one. What are you? What are you studying at San Diego State? What are you? Have you gotten a degree yet, or are you, are you going to be getting a degree coming up? Um, yeah, so I'll be graduating next semester. Uh, not next semester, next spring, twenty twenty four. So about a year from now, um, in interdisciplinary studies, I've, I like to focus on communications, and uh, my my one of my fields is recreational tourism management. Wow. I think I think I'll do a. I really like my major. Having that degree is something different for sure. So I feel like I feel super fortunate and blessed to have that degree. And I think that I'll be using it for sure. Things back to the very beginning, man. We were talking about your heritage and you're talking about your your grandparents emigrating and coming over to the States, man. What what part does does your degree play in in their story and the reasons why they were able to come over? I I really can't pay them back for coming to America and, you know, giving me a better opportunity out here. So I think one of the ways I can is just showing them that I, I appreciate them and that I, I'm out here working hard to, you know, get a degree and play at the next level. So I think it's just a testament to them and me showing my appreciation to them by graduating. And it's it's super big. I think I'll be one of the one of the first in my family, I know me and my brother will be. So I think it's it's, it's big. It'll be big yeah. for me too. No doubt, man. No doubt. And congratulations to you and your family because, you know, like you said, it's 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 amazing to to go in in just like you said that third generation to be able to be that rooted and and to be able to have that kind of accomplishment, man. Quite a family, brother. Congratulations, huge. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, saluting. Vi, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we look forward to seeing you on the field in the fall. It's a big, big senior year. Hopefully a big year for the Aztecs and uh, try to win win 22. Yeah, let's go, man. Go Aztecs. I appreciate you. Yeah, have a good thank night. You, brother. Thank you. Paul, that was our interview with Vi Cajo, senior linebacker. As he talked about, you know, this is a big year for him heading into uh, his fourth year on campus. Uh, what did you make of our conversation with him? I mean, I think the most enduring part of the conversation for me is going to just be the connections and the depth of his family. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it, without having a direct conversation with somebody, you don't always get to know that, you know, he's, his, his grandparents were the ones who immigrated over here. And, the, you know, just the meaning of his name, the idea that, you know, he's going to be 
one of the first to be able to graduate from college. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously older. So he was very, I think with a lot of his answers, he, he, he was very business-like, you know, um, as he should be, as he should be in yeah. an interview with the, with, with the media. Um, but man, when it came time to how does that reflect with your family? I think you could, you could see on his face, how much, um, that aspect of his life and how much they mean to him. Um, and so I thought that was really special. What about you? Uh, yeah, you know, he talked about the culture and talked about how that culture has kind of grown and, and built from the coaching staff, but also the players that were in front of him that have left, you know, Michael Shawcroft, Cedric Lakalaka, Saguna Luby, Caden McDonald, those guys that have kind of cleared the, made the path for the linebacking crew themselves. Uh, but, and I, but I think he understands that this is a big year for him. You know, he is a senior he started, I think, one game two years ago against Air Force, played snaps, but he hasn't really been that guy or a, one of those top guys at this point. And I think he that's he sees his opportunity, he relishes it. He knows he has to put in the work, and he has been putting in the work, but uh, even more so heading into the fall, uh, so that he can you know he can be a big part right 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 now as you, we mentioned he's. On the sec second on the depth chart behind Zyrus Fiaseu. Uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, we've seen linebackers play, you know, and rotate. And so being second doesn't mean you're not going to get on the field. You could still get on the field and still play, you know, 25 to 30 snaps a game. And I think that's he wants to, he wants to make an impact on the field. And uh it's gonna start with everything he's done, you know, in spring and, and hopefully in fall camp. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that uh his commitment to winning, I think, also jumped out a lot. Um, I know everybody else couldn't see it, but as we're talking to him, in his his background, you know, is a 2016 mm -hmm. Mountain West Conference Championship banner, and that's just what he's about. And it, it's it's like whatever it is that the team needs, that's what they're going to do. So, you know, that game you mentioned against Air Force that he started, they decided to scrap the three three five. And they they went with an extra linebacker and like the entire game, he just downhill, boom, downhill, boom, downhill, boom, and took that physical presence, you know, and, and obviously played that same role against Air Force this year as well, switching off with Kyron White there and that same kind of idea. And and so I, I just think that, um, you know, being willing to, to play special teams, but when you have seniors who are willing to do whatever it takes to get on the field and to win i think that can that can you know that kind of grittiness can can go to other teammates um and that's what san diego state needs to do i mean they you know i everyone is so curious what their record's going to be and all that kind of stuff that all those kind of things and you know there's so much that still needs to happen between now and then like who really could say but i will tell you this one thing they're going to give you have close games <laughs> That's how San Diego State plays. And and they and they always come down to seemingly five plays that if a little bit of an effort play, a little bit of a whatever goes the other way, San Diego, it, it, the, the game changes. And, and, and so I think that um, having one of your leaders have that kind of perspective, you know, down the depth chart, down the, the years in the program, um, they don't really have an excuse. They're going to be like that too. And, and, and ultimately that's what... I think you're afraid of losing when you lose Cedric Lakalaka and you lose Michael Shawcroft and you and you lose Caden McDonald is you you just lose that 
I'm not really can't quite put my finger on why they were successful, but hey, every time they're on the field, a play is made and they do just enough to be able to 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 impact the game in a positive way. And that's what they need from Vicaho. Yeah, physicality is is his the name of his game. We asked him about that. Where did it come from? Some of the practices we went to, not necessarily this past spring, but like the last year, you know, anytime things got chippy, he was in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, whether it was hitting a quarterback late or uh, making a tackle late or um, getting in the face of somebody that he thinks, you know, did did something that he shouldn't have done. You know, he was in the middle of it and he labbed that fire. And I remember asking Coach Hoke at one point about Vi and he mentioning how he loves how he plays the game uh, in that in that demeanor, in that manner. You know, there's definitely a Coach Hoke mentality, I think, from just talking and being around Coach Hoke for a couple of years now. No surprise where he said boxing is kind of his thing with Muhammad Ali and Floyd Mayweather, a violent physical sport, you know, Uh, so not surprising there, even though Muhammad Ali, you know, boxed before maybe we were born or um, maybe we were little kids. I don't know when you retired, but we we weren't we weren't we weren't in Manila or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that that Will Smith movie definitely, I recommend that anybody who hasn't seen it, anybody our age has probably seen it. But for the youngsters out there that haven't, definitely, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think people are allowed to watch Will Smith movies anymore. I think like, I think it's a, there's still a couple years before everything will be okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was really eye opening to get his perspective on 2020, and not just 2020, but I think the. I think it was the first time that I'd ever heard anybody connect what happened in 2020 with how well they did in 2021. And it makes sense, you know, new new coaching staff having to play those first games up in Carson and then going and and enduring all that and then turning that around and using that to to really have a have an unbelievable season where they won more games than they've ever won. And so I thought I thought that was very very eye-opening. I also enjoyed as you talked about, you know, his physicality. But I, I think the the interesting part for me is that he's always played at the sand linebacker or an outside linebacker, you know, when he when he started um against Air Force and being moved into the to the um middle of the field, that Mike linebacker, the weak side linebacker, I think it's interesting because he sometimes can run himself out of place. We've seen that in the past. Running yourself out of a play from that linebacker position, right, is a much bigger deal than doing it from from the edge. And so I'm really interested in seeing his ability to, I guess, kind of harness everything and 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 have all of the mental side down and being able to to play fast and being able to play, but also be fundamentally sound and and be sound. Um, inside of the scheme and how everything else is working together. You know, I think he, I think he said it really, really well when he talked about Zyrus, you know, we asked him, what, what is it that you, what do you, what is it about his game that, that you appreciate? And he said his consistency, every coach that we've ever had on here, that is absolutely the number one thing that they want out of their players, because again, they're doing X's and O's and they're trying to figure out what is the best thing that we can do that can counteract the best thing that the other team can do. And if you're inconsistent, they can't make a plan for you. 
And so having that consistency allows them to truly game plan, not have, you know, if you have an inconsistent game, then their whole game plan goes away and they're never going to build a game plan around inconsistent players because that would be foolish. It's unpredictable, right? A game plan must be predictable for it to be worth its whatever. I, I think it's a really important thing that he said that. I think if if Vikaho can capture the consistency that he's capable of, I think that that he has the potential to be the best linebacker um, on the roster. I, I think he's he, he I think he has everything that you would want. I think he, he can be be a physical presence. He should be able to get downhill and be used in blitz packages. I think that he can play sideline to sideline. I think that, you know, um, he he should be able to, to you know, go and and cause some forced fumbles and and just make people scared in the middle of the field because you know that Caho is coming, you know. I think all of those things, like, can be there as a guy that, that stands out in every single game that he plays, provided he can be, he can have that consistency. And he doesn't have some glaring things that defenses are able to take advantage of. And so I, I, th- I think the, the Aztecs really need him to be good. One thing that I think deserves mentioning is, you know, last year he was listed as the backup to Michael Shawcroft at the will for the first five games of the season. And Michael Shawcroft gets injured at Boise and misses the next game against Hawaii. And the inclination was that Vi Kaho was going to be starting. And that game comes and starts and Zyrus is starting and not Vicaho, you know, and when Zyrus was third on the depth chart, it's easy for a player like that to get disengaged or mm-hmm. disillusioned, lose faith in the coaching staff. And, you know, in this world of the transfer portal, transfer out at the end of the season, but he didn't, he stuck with it. And listening to him speak about San Diego State, you could tell that he loves being here. Uh, I think he deserves praise. For, for being here still, still being committed, still working his butt off. Uh, and now this year is hopefully his opportunity to, to show the coaches that he should have been the guy on the field last year or that he deserved to be on the field. And I think that that deserves a mention because it could it would have been very easy for him to transfer or look elsewhere or uh, not believe in the system anymore after after that. But he didn't. So, yeah, no, that, that's great. And then um, I completely agree. And then, of course, I think the big news around San Diego State is that Vicaho is getting a teammate. You know, some people thought it would be on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Jalil Tucker transfers from Oregon, played one year redshirted, only played in one game, but at cornerback. Um, but he's coming yeah. over to play wide receiver. And, um, you know, you got the details from his high school coach and also the coach who's going to be working him out um, in the summer, getting him ready to run routes and doing all of that. So, I mean, in those conversations and and what you researched, uh, w- what is your takeaways from Jalil Tucker as a wide receiver? He played primarily as an outside receiver. Uh, he's six foot, so he's not necessarily, you know, tall in the wide receiver sense, but he's also not, you know, five, five, nine, five, ten. He does six foot is average. Uh, he's got good hands, but his speed is, is what separates him. Um, he's a burner. So he's a guy that can, can, you know, can run posts and deep, deep shots, especially in play action. You know, his coach, uh, offensive coordinator at Lincoln, Jason Carter, Talked about how, you know, he talks to the coaching staff at San Diego State being a local 
local program. He knows the things that they're looking for, the things that they want out of their guys. And he, he can he can see how they're moving towards back to this kind of, you know, running game and play action. And he thinks Jaleel's going to fit really well in, into that role. You know, next to Makai Shaw, you got Breon Penny still, who's, I think, you know, the tallest guy, potential possession guy. I want to say he was the number four athlete in the country coming out of high school. Like that's, that's, that's saying something. And he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. Very similar when we talked about Deshaun McEwen a couple episodes ago about his athletic mm-hmm. ability. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing in some really, really athletic guys that can fly. And uh, Jaleel is, is one of those guys. Now, there's a lot of openings, a lot of opportunities in the wide receiver room. Can he come in starting the summer without a spring camp and, and, and get an opportunity to get on the field? We'll see. But it's, if any position has that opportunity for a guy coming in, it'd be wide receiver. He hasn't played wide receiver for at least a year, so he needs to get back into the swing of things. Coach Carter is going to be kind of training him this summer now that he's back in San Diego uh, running routes and things like that. And Coach Carter does that with some other folks, uh, some other guys, local guys. Keyshawn Smith, who uh, transferred to SMU, I believe. A couple other guys that are local guys that come back during the summers. So, like, Jaleel's going to be working out with not just his – you know, offensive coordinator at Lincoln, but some of these other wide receivers that are really, really good. So he's going to be training with some of the best guys. And so he's going to have to elevate his game. And so I think it's going to be good for San Diego State to see, to to have a guy like that, that could scare a defense. You know, Makai Shaw, we've talked about him. He's dependable. He's consistent. Uh, Jalen Maiden, you know, has a good rapport with him, but I don't know if any defense is necessarily you know, keeping a safety back there to help the corner out with Makai Shaw. But with Jaleel Tucker, once he gets into the swing of things, you may have to. I think that's a great analysis. Uh, the, the part that always fascinates me is just expectation. If, if he comes into the 2023 season and he is a contributor, he's a great pickup for the Aztecs. And I think, though, that given the number four overall um athlete being able to be you know in his junior year the the preseason um wide receiver in the entire county going to Oregon having the opportunity to go anywhere else I mean I think the expectations are for him to come in and be Jerry Rice and for for our younger listeners that was a really good wide receiver a a long long time ago you know and, and so I think that's the that's the interesting part of it right like um I think that there were fans who were upset that Lucky Sutton was not higher on the spring depth chart or the post spring depth yeah. chart and it's like hey the guys the guys a redshirt freshman like that was his first spring camp it's not weird no matter how many you know how many unbelievable runs that he had in high school that led him to a state title or how many stars are next to his name. When you're going through your first spring, there are things that you have to learn. And and until you learn those things, whatever physical gifts that you have, they just, they just don't, they don't matter as much. And so I think that's the part of it that I'm interested in is what should be. And so this, this turning the question now, what should be the expectations for obviously a world-class athlete who's still incredibly young, but he's also switching positions for his immediate impact in 2023. 
in terms of statistics or you, snaps? You, you take it wherever you want, my friend. I mean, honorable mention, all conference or above. I, I don't know if the expectations should be all conference okay. or bust. Okay. But I, I, I believe top three or four receiver in terms of snaps. Yeah. Yeah. On the team. I think that's achievable. I'll go, five. Should be. I'll, I'll go top five. I'll go top five. I can see being like a legitimate in the rotation, second guy, second tier guy, wherever that is, even if that's six, you know, it just depends how they break it down. I agree. I agree. And I think that would be a fun real year. And if that's yeah. the case, I think that all of the like NFL kind of ideas that people have whenever you're a recruit of this size, he would be on that path to reaching yeah. that. I, then San Diego State is not going to be a team that's dropping back and throwing 40 times a game. I don't, at least I don't think Coach Hoke wants to be that guy. So it's not like the receivers are going to be getting, you know, eight to 10 targets a game. Could be, you know, someone like Jaleel Tucker might get three or four targets a game. And, you know, some of those could be big shots. And, and can he come down with one, one or two of them? And we're talking about this year, right? I think his expectations that's all, that's all. just this year. If you look at two years from now, it's different. But if you're looking at this year, the situation he's walking into, I, I mean, I, I would think he's on the field for 10 to 15 snaps. I think he's getting three to five targets and he's making one or two, you know, plays that's helping the offense. Um, that would be my, I guess, if I had to label it expectations in that regard, that's kind of how I would look at it. Now he can exceed that. By becoming, you know, starter and playing 30 to 40 snaps a game and getting a lot more targets, or he could under not get on the field very much. And either of those I can see happening as well. So no, I, I think you just like it in the in, in a gambling terms, I think you just gave a perfect over-under. And I think I think that's a really, really fair thing. And and I think that if he meets what you just said, like I think you gotta be really happy. I think, I think honestly, you, you got to say like, okay, we found something, but I think sometimes it seems that if he just does what you said, that's going to be a sign that like chicken little, it's horrible, you know, all these kinds of things. And I, I, I just interested in that aspect of it um, it's for him and how, you know, all of that kind of stuff plays out. The other, obviously big news, we, we got to hang out a little bit. There was a, there was a soccer party at snapdragon stadium let's take it party oh my goodness i i mean you know i i rolled up there um at six o'clock and i text messaged you and and uh and you know we were we we were not covering it we were we were just there as as fans and spectators i mean there was two lines snaking out the entrance of people wanting to be among the first thousand to be able to to get their scarf and then by the time you know you came in and joined me in line there was it was I mean, it was already bending around and all that kind of stuff and it, it was it was a great night man so um I the, I guess the question is is it time for San Diego State to finally take a victory lap because everything that they promised with Snapdragon Stadium is occurring um, or does that happen when when more of the the regular campus and some of the other start, stuff starts to also transpire around Snapdragon Stadium. Well, first of all, thank you for letting me cut in line. Yeah, bro. No, yeah. that's easy. That's easy. Yeah, that's easy. I don't know if I would have gotten a scarf if I was not able to cut. <laughs> so thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, yes, sir. Also, and, 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 you know, and I think it was pretty clutch that I 
only let my kids have one soda. And so you got their drink yeah. coupon, bro. More, that was clutch. More, yeah. More drink tickets for Andre. Yeah. That was yeah, that was awesome. that was nice. It it also turned into quite a um Aztec Twitter party. No, there was, we, yeah. We bumped into a ton of people, the uh Sons of Monty crew, uh some of the uh some of the other guys that are are big Aztec Twitter guys that you guys would know, Joel, Tom. So it turned into a very it was an ML, it was a soccer party, but it turned it was a very Aztec football feel to it. To answer your question, I think the victory lap comes when they get the power five invite. Hmm. Even though it doesn't necessarily tie directly to the stadium, but indirectly, of course it does, because it elevated the program, it elevated the facilities. The victory lap can come when they get the power five invite, and that's done. They give their notice to the Mountain West. You know, J.D. Wicker just won Athletic Director of the Year mm-hmm. at the, help me, the Sports Business Journal Awards. Is that right? I believe so. I believe so. And he was the first non-Power 5 Athletic Director to win that award? I have a conspiracy about that. Okay, go for Here's it. Here's my conspiracy. My conspiracy is that awards like that, or let's say the college football playoff, same kind of thing, um, they only let in their own people but whenever there's an opportunity to let in one of their own people but make it look like they're being inclusive they go for it so for instance cincinnati getting in i don't think they got in because lo and behold all of a sudden they thought that cincinnati was the top four team but cincinnati is moving to the big 12 so now they get to become in and then everyone gets to say look how inclusive we are we would have always taken a good group of five school when we yes. sure as hell know that no they wouldn't have and i would my my contention is that every other year somebody else would have would have jumped them but because cincinnati is now one of the elite and i think potentially the same thing happened with um same thing happened with with uh, jd wicker as being the, the first non power 5 will be a power five ad here um should his own predictions come true in you know 18 months or whatever <laughs> a year well we'll uh we'll see if that if that's true or not it was the party in itself was great giving out the scarves free food and and beers uh and sodas for the kids and that was really cool tom penn the ceo was walking around you know handshake giving handshakes to people and introducing himself introducing the uh, Chair Martinez, I believe, from the Saquon tribe was also there. Really good, you know, night. It's just important. How, how are they going to keep that going? You know, as you said, the, mm-hmm. the first game until March 2025. They're not going to keep doing parties every month like this, although we'll, we'll still go. We'll go if they, if they want to. <laughs> but, you know, they got to keep the momentum going because, you know, in six months, some people have kind of lost some of that fire for it, you know. The, the diehard soccer fans will still have it, but there'll be a, a people that'll st- forget about it or stop thinking about it. So I think it's important for them to keep that momentum going because it's a long ways away to March 2025. It is, although I do think that those free drink coupons came in handy for the impromptu line dancing and then um, <laughs> yeah. the parade, the parade that 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 um, yeah. organically popped up. But no, I, I honestly think that if San Diego State can do things well and do things right um, with the PR kind of component of things, you know, I, I think that the next couple of years could be one drawn out, one drawn out kind of a victory lap. 
you know, let it, if, if everything happens here in the next couple of weeks and, and I mean, you know, a month from now, they're supposed to tell the Mountain West one way or another. That means every game that they play every single time that they're talked about on the media is this is their final game as a member of the Mountain West. That'll continue through basketball. And then you start jumping into 2024. You're now going in with these new conference members, all of the things, all the movement that's taking place, all of the different, hey, which conference is better? And all those articles that'll have it now include San Diego State. Um, then 2025 rolls around, you have MLS coming coming, and you're just like, oh my goodness, right? And then and then you have, you know, the World Cup in 2026 coming right afterwards. And now San Diego's a soccer town as well. And they're a soccer town because San Diego State, Snapdragon Stadium, J.D. Wicker, Friends of San Diego, President De La Torre were able to pull off something that nobody said that they could pull off. I think that it, it can be a very, very prolonged just kind of a reverie in in everything that has happened. Um, and then, you know, I, I do think, you know, you, you get the 2025, um, you start getting the river park, you know, and, and really starting to, to see people enjoy that area more than just on when there's an event at Snapdragon. You start seeing some of the foundations and the buildings starting to take shape around it. Um, I, I think it shapes out really good, man. But I, I think J.D. Wicker, it's really difficult to try to imagine an athletic director do a better job yeah. like this. You know what I mean? Like, it, and obviously circumstances create opportunity, but it was his call that took San Diego state out and, and took, and, and took them away from Qualcomm and, you know, went over into the, into LA people still feel different ways about that decision, but that decision allowed them to, to build quicker. And they took advantage of that and got things done. It was his team that negotiated, you know, all, so many of the business partnerships and so many of the different things. And obviously culminating with with this, um, you know, the wave, um, I mean, just so many different things. And so it's it's challenging to think of like how somebody could have done a better job than J.D. Wicker. So the the award is is well deserved. And, you know, I think provided there's not another challenge out there that becomes attractive to him. I think in the same vein that Steve Fisher and Brian Dutcher, Don Coriel, uh, I think he he has the opportunity to to kind of uh, create his own legacy in San Diego as as one of the you know kind of the big wigs of 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 uh, sports in the city, and um, it's it's pretty remarkable that you know an, an athletic director can be that person, you know. So you can check the boxes of all the things that have happened for San Diego State in the last couple of years and he's been you know front and center mm-hmm. uh leading the charge in all of them so definitely well-deserved award all right guys that's gonna do it for us hopefully you enjoyed our interview with Vai Cajo. he he's primed and ready for a, a great senior season uh in the fall um thank you guys as always for listening make sure to hit the subscribe button and like and follow and share on all your favorite platforms. We appreciate it. We appreciate uh, everything you guys do to help us continue doing what we do. Have a good night and we'll talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU Football Podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts, Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.